My name is Tyler. I am also one of the pastors here, and I am humbled to bring you the word this morning. Each time I get to do this, there is fear and excitement that draws me to worship. Fear because we serve a holy God who creates out of nothing. And excitement because I can come to him in confidence through the blood of Christ. And so hope this morning we are conformed more and more into the image of the Son. So, I feel like this sermon comes from a season of last October till now. It's coming from what God has done, is currently doing, in hopes of what he will continue to do. God's sovereign love has been a comfort and a struggle in this past 12 months. Now, it's almost been a year since being announced as an elder candidate and six months as a pastor. Now, I don't know what you call the track of ministry Casey and I are on, but whatever you call it, it's an intensive. However, all of our lives look a lot different than they did last October. Now, I'm not going to list all that's happened in the time frame because I only have this morning. But seriously. I'm sure this has happened to some of you, if not all, but when you pray for patience, you get tests for patience. Or if you pray for a gentle spirit, all of a sudden your flesh wants to rage over burnt toast. Well, my first sermon a year ago, almost to the day, off by two weeks, was on endurance. God's sovereignty? Well, I'm staking my life on it, so here we go. Today, as we look at the depths of God's sovereign love that is beyond comprehension, we would marvel at the works of God. And I hope that I will be able to conform to 1 Corinthians 15, as Paul proclaims, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So now let me pray and ask the Holy Spirit to soak my words in the everlasting water that we may refresh weary souls this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning as children, children in need, children in want. Lord, and we know that we can take rest in your sovereign will. Lord, help us to know that. Help us to believe that this morning. Holy Spirit, would you pierce hearts this morning? Would you remind us of your goodness, of your everlasting faithfulness, of your enduring love? Lord, I pray this morning, as me and the other pastors pray always, would it be your words heard this morning and not mine? Move this morning, and it's in the power of your Son's name. Amen. Now, just in case anyone here or anyone watching doesn't know, but God's sovereignty and his love are inseparable. 
Just as his justice and mercy, wrath and grace, holiness and forgiveness exist together, so does his sovereignty and love. However, there are times I forget that. I forget that God is love. I forget that he is orchestrating and over all of creation, then, now, and the future. Now, I don't think I'm the only one who forgets, and I'm learning all the more how much I need brothers and sisters to walk alongside and with me. There have been several verses that have kept me running this year. But Romans 8.28 and Psalm 61 are two that remind me to whom I belong and to whom I run. Both we'll be looking at today, as well as several other scriptures. All right, now we're going to jump right into the deep end, also known as January this past year. So in the beginning of this season, we'll just call this year, one of the life-altering events that happened at the tail end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 was the diagnosis, diagnosis of Braley's leukemia. News that seemed to stop time. News that makes any efforts impossible. An update from the family a few days later spoke about clinging to the promise of God that he gives manna for the day not the month, not the year, but the day. In circumstances no parent, those parents, want to find themselves in, it's second to second, minute to minute, day to day. And I'll be spending more time on this as we go through the text this morning. Now there's also been this new virus that has swept the globe and has had adverse effects in our faith lives, economy, cities, schools, states, calendars, churches, countries, and continents. All the sand-laid foundations are being shaken out. Lives have been changed forever, and history is happening before our very eyes. Racism has not only made its way into headlines, but into friendships, workplaces, and conversations. And navigating, as Jovia said, is like a junior high dance in a minefield. Next, oh, are you guys tired yet? Because there's more. <laughs> we are in a polarizing political climate during an election year where the enemy who seeks to divide is gaining footholds in the hearts of people in every walk of life, including the church. We've had sports canceled in-person school canceled, graduation ceremonies canceled, and summer was pretty much canceled. I'll stop there because I said I wouldn't list everything. Just last October, most of our church plus many others were in the McGinty's backyard. As we celebrated maskless fellowship, food, music, baptisms, an elder candidacy. That seems like a lifetime ago. Now, I do not reminisce about the good old times as to bring us down, but to have us look up. God has not changed. 
His goodness, his grace, his mercy, his love, his patience, his promises, his glory is unchanging. And that's what I hope we remember this morning. So there are countless examples of God's sovereignty throughout the scriptures and our lives because it's in his sovereignty that all exist. And one sliver of God's sovereignty that I want us to look at is the story of Joseph. So if you didn't know, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. Jacob's sons, there's multiple, there's 12. (laughs) Now he had 10 older brothers. Anyone here have older brothers or sisters? How is that? (laughs) Now maybe some of your older brothers or older sisters picked on you or laughed at your mistakes from time to time, but did they sell you into slavery? So we're gonna give a quick synopsis of the story of Joseph before I jump to the text. So Joseph's brothers sold him to Egypt into slavery. Joseph then finds his way up the ranks through his interpretation of dreams and God's hand in his life. Soon, he is second to only the Pharaoh. Well, Joseph interpreted a dream of Pharaoh's that was God telling him the land would be in famine for seven years and to store up food to prepare. The famine came and Egypt was prepared because of Joseph. Well, Joseph's brothers were told by Jacob to go to Egypt and get food for their families as it was two years into the famine. The person they ended up seeing was Joseph although they didn't recognize him. And after some trips back and forth by his brothers, now this is just a summary. Please go read the story, Genesis 37 through 50. So after some back and forth with his brothers, Joseph reveals himself. And we're going to pick up in Genesis 45, 1 through 8. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, He cried, make everyone go out for me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of his house and ruler over the land of Egypt. Now in the story, it's hard to tell whether Joseph sobs uncontrollably because of his love for his family or his amazement is God's sovereignty, or both. 
Because of Jacob's family now coming to Egypt during the famine, many years later, the Hebrew babies kept on coming. Kind of like babies at Life Mission Church. And then Egypt attempted to put a stop to that by killing Hebrew babies. Well, one of those Hebrew babies, I think I said Hebrew babies enough, was Moses, who ended up in, anyone know whose house? Pharaoh's. What gracious sovereignty. Well then, Moses, that man, he grew up. And God reveals himself to him as Yahweh, the I Am. And calls Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and into the desert for the promised land of Canaan. But they were in the desert. How were they going to live? What were they going to eat? What were they going to drink? How long would it take? From what we know on this side, God had a plan. But these questions of uncertainty, I'm sure they had as soon as they walked out and above the Red Sea. Well, now what? See, it doesn't take too long before we forget that all God has done. It doesn't take long before we doubt God, before circumstances are beyond our understanding, or before we complain about what we do not know. But God showed his mercy in providing bread from heaven as they walked, well, actually some dug their heels, into God's plan. In Exodus 16, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Jesus even teaches us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Tomorrow is not ours. We are not sovereign. In the book of James, chapter 4, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade for a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. We all are so quick to boast in our plans and how we'll gather bread. We begin to rely on ourselves and our own strength. This then carries over into our faith. Soon we believe it is our works or lack of works that secures or threatens our salvation. Now, there are seasons of life that feel like we're walking on the airport conveyor belt in the right direction, you know, when people used to travel. And then there are seasons that feel like we're being taken by the strongest current to ever exist. And when we look at Israel being sustained in the desert for 40 years, we get an amazing picture of God's sovereign hand. The Israelites did not know how long they would be in the desert. 
but God did. And he did purposefully and not without showing his loving kindness. Maybe our season isn't that long, but it can feel like it. In hard seasons, it is difficult to understand his plans. We doubt that any good can come from the bad, and we take for granted the good. Now, there are so many seasons of life. Whether it's the teenage years, the early 20 years, the married years, the single years, the parenting years, the career years, the aging years, the grand years, or the passing years, each one with their own struggles, sufferings, trials, and joys, but each with the same God. In Ecclesiastes 3, the preacher provides some times and seasons that'll happen. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Now, if you pause and think about these different seasons, memories come to mind. Maybe all in this past year. And this is just a snapshot. There are many more seasons we face and are called to endure. C.H. Spurgeon says this, the seasons change and you change, but the Lord abides evermore the same. And the streams of his love are as deep as broad and as full as ever. As I was finishing the sermon this past week, I happened to look outside my garage window where I can see our field. Now in February and March, there was not a patch of dirt to be seen. It was completely ruled by weeds. It was a constant stress because I knew I needed to take care of it. Now all I see is dirt. The season of weed control has ended and I have a plan for next year, goats. <laughs> That's not to be decided, we still have to talk about that. They still creep me out. So this past year has been one of the hardest. When we're in seasons, we don't know its end. How much longer do we need to run? Where's the finish line? This past year has really forced me to understand my discontentedness in all circumstances. My trust of the good Father in heaven, it falters, it stumbles, it's weak, it's fickle. 
And this is why Psalm 61 has been an ever-present help. Psalm 61, 1 through 4. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. So one of the things my wife and I have done in the past is indoor rock climbing. Now, if any of you have done this before, you've probably heard that you need to use your legs to help support your weight, or else your arms will quickly fatigue. And when you have strong footholds and your legs are supporting you, your handhold is not as important. However, there are more difficult spots on the wall that require you to reach and grab with one hand. And then when you go to grab that one hold with your one hand, you hope it's big enough. You hope you're strong enough and that the chalk on your hands will grip as it claims to do. When that handhold is all you have, its importance becomes magnified a hundredfold and you grip with everything you have. The daily bread that Jesus says we are to pray for Sometimes, it feels like a supplement to our already full meal. And sometimes we realize it's the only thing that is keeping us alive. And to be honest, this is an example of my faith. Can be, not always. When it's not as hard of season, I'm climbing just fine. I think very little of holding on to my Savior. However, there are seasons when I am clinging to my Savior's every word because it's the only secure hold. But life doesn't stop there. When I am and will be taken beyond my strength, it's not the strength of my hands that are of any use, but the hands of my Savior. His grip is everlasting. You see, there is an endless list of things and seasons that are out of our control. This can bring fear, Anxiety, doubt, depression, anger, malice, etc. And why does this lack of control or sovereignty cause these things? Because we want to be God. It's self-idolatry. It's worship of self. And you come to learn you make a pretty bad God. Now, this reminds me of another virus that has made a resurgence this past year. It's called idolatry mitosis. <laughs> I have self-diagnosed this for myself and even verified on BibleMD.com. If it continues, well, I could die. Now, it's a resurgence because it's never gone away and never will till we are all glorified in the presence of the Son. Now I want to talk about things that are out of God's control. Oh wait, that's nothing. I'm going to talk about nothing. This sermon is about nothing. The nothingness that is out of God's control. 
No season is outside the will and plan of God. Psalm 103:19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. When the Lord answers Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. Right now, I know many, myself included, feel like we're running in a race with no finish line. And just as the psalmist in verse 1 and 2 cries out with a faint heart, so have I in the season of uncertainty. But what's amazing is the request, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And he says this, he asks this because of verse 3, for you have been a refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. He knows that God has rescued and protected him before, and so he pleads for him to do it again. Just last week, the idea of God being our strong tower was discussed. Now, this strong tower in this verse, as described here, is both a watchtower and a place of refuge. What an amazing prayer for not just 2020, but every day of our lives. God, would you be our strong tower? Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous man runs into it and is safe. The righteous run to the Lord in times of trouble, not to anything else. We get to dwell in the tent of God Almighty. God's sovereignty is not a cage of control, but a pasture of provision. It's his staff that comforts me. Just last Sunday, after a full, eventful day, I wandered intentionally into the kids' room. They were all sound asleep, you guys were asleep, and I kissed each one of them. I'm sure many of you parents do this. But another thought entered my mind as I was recalling the nightly routine. My kids went to bed without worry, well, not counting their sudden thirst, but they weren't concerned about bills. They weren't concerned about work projects the next day. They weren't contemplating the complexities of human relationships. They weren't concerned about not having breakfast the next morning. And guess what? I don't want them to be concerned about these things. I don't want them to know everything because it would not be good for them. I want them to be kids. I like to believe they trust mom and dad to do all that for them. And I hope when they lay down at sleep, they know they are loved, they're cared for, and they're protected. We are their lowercase s shepherds. As parents, we give knowledge to our kids as we see fit. We make decisions that we feel are for their good. And now let me turn our attention towards the Heavenly Father. Romans 8:28 And we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose 
When we lack understanding of current suffering as we go through difficult seasons, we can trust our loving Father who in Christ is working for our good. R.C. Sproul says this, so we should be comforted and consoled by the fact that our suffering is neither futile nor ultimately tragic. It may be very painful and difficult to endure for the moment. But God stands sovereign over even our suffering. Think about so many of your families. It's interesting and amazing that just a couple weeks ago, Joby went through John 7. Jesus was among the people during the feasts of booths. Now, this was a feast to remember God's faithfulness in the wilderness when they had to sleep in tents or booths. They would sleep outside in tents to remember their life in the wilderness. During this time, I'm assuming they'd remember not only the tents they dwelt in, but the tent of meeting where God's presence dwelt with them in the wilderness. And in John 7, during this annual feast, the true tent was in their midst. The psalmist says in Psalm 61, let me dwell in your tent forever. See, it is now the body of Christ in which we dwell, made possible by the cross of Christ. His body first had to be broken in order to restore that which was broken in our sin. He is our strong tower. He is the tent in which we dwell. He is the rock that is higher than I. We are spared the wrath of God because we take refuge in the blood of the perfect lamb. Hebrews 9, 11 through 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Throughout all of history, from Abraham to Jesus to us, God's sovereignty is eternally steadfast in revealing his glory in the redemption of his chosen people. 1 Peter 2.10 Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So even as we are coming to a close this morning, how do we live with one another while trusting the sovereign will of God? Well, 1 Peter 1.22 through 25. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding work for God, word of God. For all flashes like grass, grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word, is the good news that was preached to you. See, when God orchestrates our lives, he makes music. But when we attempt to orchestrate our own lives, we just make noise. 
in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's sovereignty is now being fulfilled in and through our lives. And guess what? We can't mess it up because God is sovereign. God's plan was for salvation was fulfilled in the cross of Christ. Now I'm going to close this morning with a bigger chunk of Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning knowing that you are our Heavenly Father. You care for us, you love us, you protect us. And Lord, because of your Son, we now have eternal presence with you. Lord, I pray this morning that we would have been reminded and that we continue to be reminded of your goodness, your faithfulness, your throne is everlasting to everlasting. And because of Christ, we can enter into that promise because of his work on the cross, we rest securely in the comfort of his sovereign will. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, what you've poured out upon our lives. May we be lights in this world. May we be steadfast in your sovereign love. May we rejoice in all seasons. Because you are good. You alone are good, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.